I'm ready. Are you ready? No, are you ready? No. You're starting us off. Oh, oh no, okay. yeah, you start. <laughs> Welcome to Oops, I'm in a Cult. I'm Scott Barker. And I'm Charity Novalesi, and we're former members born and raised in the Living Word Fellowship, here to investigate the organization that branded itself as a Christian church for over 70 years, but turned out to be just another cult. Today, we are talking with Johanna Wozniak, who grew up in the Los Angeles chapter and attended the Living Word School from preschool until her senior year. She spent Tuesday through Sunday nights most of her childhood in the church's recording studio, which was run by accused serial abuser and church leader Rick Holbrook. She talks about how her troubled home life caused her to seek out family in the form of the church, despite its toxicity, by immersing herself in the never-ending work. She talks about her dramatic exit from the fellowship and subsequent shunning, and how she had to rebuild her life on her own just a week after her 18th birthday. Johanna says, I was born the day I left. Welcome to the whatever fucking podcast this is. You don't want to mention that it's the Living Word Cult? No, I think that's great, but is it just going to be called the Living Word Cult Podcast? No, no. Oh, what could it be? What could it be, Charity? You and I are both former members, Living Word, Fellowship. We're investigating the the ins and outs of our experience. In and out podcast. (laughs) You can cut that part out. It's real casual. It guarantees it's going to break down very quickly, which is (laughs) totally fine. It's it's the Living Word, Fellowship, it's the walk. Thought it was a church, turned out it was a cult. Oh, there's a good... That's it. That's what it is. That's it. I mean, I kind of love it. It's not bad. It's not bad. Oops, I'm in a cult. (laughs) Hello, Jojo. Or Johanna, as uh, we're all supposed to call you now because you're a full grown-up woman instead of who I remember from high school. Yeah. Um, welcome. Thank you for, for jumping on here. Happy this to. This is very fun to have you. Um, so we're going to talk about you, your experiences of which you had many. Um, we did an intro that kind of ran through some of that stuff. Um, but now we're going to get to listen to you and your stories. I think we wanted to start. Um, well, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of places to start here. Can you give us a little bit of like where you grew up? I mean, pretty simple. But yeah. you, you I know. grew up in the San Fernando Valley in California, Los Angeles, California. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. I moved away and now I'm back. So that's, that's about it. <laughs> well, you're not back in the valley. We don't no, have to say no. where you are, but uh, you're I'm not. You're not somewhere stuck in California. In the, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The the San Fernando Valley, uh, also known as Sepulveda, also known as North Hills, also known as just the Valley, um, where <laughs> the Living Word Fellowship had a number of its uh, a couple of its main churches, and um, there was like the churchy church and then there was the production studio, Rick's recording studio, the publishing house gets different sanitized names, but we just called it the building or TLW. And, um, Jojo, you spent a lot of time at the building. Um, can you tell us a little bit about like being a kid there and just like growing up in it? What was that? Absolutely. like? Absolutely. Yeah, so my parents met at the church, and so I was born into it. And uh, the church we went to initially was TLW or the building or whatever. Um, And I was always really excited about that because the other option, which was CLW, was like the boring one. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I, I thought it was so much more fun, not necessarily like cool, but way more fun to go to TLW uh, for services. Um, then also my dad was in charge of the IT department. I don't know. I don't know. He was in charge of the IT department. So he was there a lot working. Mm-hmm. My mom ran the kitchen for a bit. So my family was there a lot, um, not just for Wednesday night and Sunday morning services, but for all the work days and not work days. Also, my dad would drag me because there was some IT something. So I would just be sitting, watching TV, yeah, so <laughs> all it's a- alone in the hallways. <laughs> your dad, did your dad actually like work on payroll for um, Living Word? Is he just, that was all volunteer stuff that he was doing? Uh, not that I'm aware of. I'm pretty sure it was all volunteer. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, that makes sense. That makes a ton of sense. I just, sometimes people (laughs) did actually work for it. When you say that he's in charge of the IT department and he wasn't paid, um, maybe that that speaks (laughs) to (laughs) something, I don't know. But, uh, the, um, that's, I, I had a similar, you know, upbringing where it's like parents are just constantly at the church because they have these big, important churchy things that they need to do. And mm-hmm. so as a kid, you're just like dragged along and you're there at night, you're doing your homework there, or you're just messing around or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. What was, what, I mean, how, what do you make of that? What, what kind of, what kind of childhood is that for you? How did that affect you? Well, I did think it was that when it wasn't a work day and there were, and there weren't other people there when it was literally like five or just five people in the building or me, me, me and my dad alone with the front desk person. Like it was pretty boring in those situations. I did not like that. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely kept myself entertained to the best of my abilities. Um, there was a cat that lived there and I loved her. And so I played <laughs> with her a lot. <laughs> um, I think her name was, was it Martha? Oh Martha yeah. I do the, remember that. Martha that was the name of the cat. A long time. That'd yeah, and <laughs> the John Stevens' ex-wife's name. <laughs> the front, like third of the building, was all dark. Everyone describes it as a dark place because right when you enter, it's dark. But there was like carpet on the walls, and we used to like put Martha like on the oh, wall, and she would cling to it. But, yeah. um, that carpet was like because it was a studio. That was like a sound deadening thing, and it was like carpet samples that they. Or whatever, just car extra carpet, and it was a way. But that's funny, Martha. Yeah. I can see. Is that like a way? You know, they like said that we learned recently that like people were cutting Martha's name out of the tapes. Was that like a way of being like, oh no, no, no? This whole time when when John mentioned Martha, he was really just talking about this cat. I could totally be misremembering her name. I actually, I don't know. Martha just came to mind, but okay. <laughs> but anyway, that's well, funny. it's Martha now. So that's <laughs> yeah. the that's the that's the memory now. Um, she was cute. You you mentioned you said that like TLW was cool. Why was it cool, and the other ones weren't cool? Well, I thought there was a lot more like younger people at TLW, like hipper people, people in the industry, people that were fun to hang around versus when I, whenever I had to go to CLW, it was usually for um, feast stuff. And like everyone just seemed a little older, a little bit more 
boring. I'm being horrible because all these people ended up being lovely. But when I was a little kid, I was like, wow, it's so boring here at TLW. It's like, we're working, we're doing fun, we're playing, we're petting a cat, we're, you know, we're whatevering. And at CLW, we're just like sitting in service and it's boring. Uh Yeah, TLW was a little more loosey-goosey, more of the Mm -hmm. like fun stuff, whereas CLW was just just really church services. Yeah, because it was like a... Sorry, go ahead. ahead. It was like a recording studio. And so like it recollected a lot of the creative types to Mm -hmm. come there. And so there was like an aspect of more like probably charity said, like loosey goosey, um, less churchy kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. And then at some point in my early teens or late, I don't know, maybe 10 years old or something, it, we, we started doing Sunday services at CLW as a big group and just Wednesday nights at TLW. Mm-hmm. So I was yeah, sad they, when that change happened. I remember shut down the, the church part of the TLW and just made everybody go to CLW. When did you, what did you start doing? Did you, you, I mean, you got like, when you got older, when did they start having you do working like at, TLW and what was that schedule like for you? Like, what was your life yeah. in general like? Because um, you also are part of the church school. Like, what other aspects of it did you have that were not? Um, and was there anything in your life that wasn't the living word? No. Um, one year I played softball outside the school cause the school didn't have sports. So like a neighborhood league and that was so much fun. We had a blast. Mm. Yeah. But uh, no, my whole life was church or like church related stuff. Um, I was a, I don't know if it's unique or not, but I think cause I was there so much and bored, I was always hungry to like do something. I was always wanting to get involved because I hated just sitting around. Um, so I, it wasn't like people ever asked me really to help. I was asking to help. There was always this thing of like, you're not quite old enough to do that but maybe you can do this. And so I was always being like, Hey, can I help with tape editing? Can I, no, you can't do that. Okay. Well, how about duplication or the shipping department or order desk? Those are all things I worked in. Or, um, I helped my mom in the kitchen and then eventually she kind of took a step back and I started doing the meal prep, shopping, cooking, and cleaning for Thursday night dinners and Saturday lunches for the whole Mm -hmm. Uh, thing so it it was it was more like driven by me wanting to not be bored Um, and and I was there um, I was thinking about this I was there for a majority of my childhood Tuesday through Sunday okay a lot yeah Yeah. it was your whole life essentially except for Monday nights was my only night so so it was it was a even on like even on Sunday after church, as you got older, you had to go back and work at the building or. No, as I that... got older, I, I didn't. When I was younger, I went because my dad would go back after the church, after the uh-huh. church services. But um, when I got older, my Sundays were more helping um, at the other properties, um, mm-hmm. not at TLW. Yeah. Is that when you were a teenager and the during the whole Elijah, Elisha time period? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. What was um, going on? Go ahead, Scott. Well, yeah, I think what a little bit in that you're you're 
Can you tell me a little bit about your experience with uh, the Elijah Elisha stuff and how eventually your main Elijah was Rick's upcoming wife, fourth wife or yeah. whatever? What before that? she was his official wife. Yeah, before <laughs> exactly, it was official. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I, it took a while for me to actually get one. My, I had a shepherd um, for a, a while that was just like a shepherd. I didn't have an Elijah Elisha relationship till I was probably like 15. Um, I'm not quite sure what the delay on that was, but um, it kind of happened naturally. I don't even know. I was thinking about this the other day. I don't even remember how it all actually became official. Um, I just was around a lot and really enjoyed her and her company. And so we were hanging out and it kind of just blossomed into this relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I did not really like spending time at home a ton. I didn't have the best relationship with my parents. And, um, I mean, I did really like her a lot, but it also was nice to have this person that was like normal that I thought was cool that I could ask everything, like all the permissions needed and it mm -hmm. was good to go, you know? So it ended up being like really beneficial for me because <laughs> you could have that instead of your parents, which was problematic. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't like, I mean, we hear a lot from people, the Elijah, Elisha stuff was like, um, you know, you ask about doing some dumb little thing and then you get the no and it's always mm -hmm. like being forced to work. Did you not have to work at the building as much or? Um, did, uh, no, I, you know, I don't, or do you just want I don't to? like, um, disappointing people. So I never wanted to ask something that would get a no. Um, I liked oh. being around, you know, so I kind of just read the room and like, chose my battles basically all the things I did that were like bad or taboo I didn't ask about and if I got caught I got in trouble but mostly I kind of just didn't really do a lot of things that teenagers would do and I didn't mm -hmm. ask to I just kept busy mm -hmm. kept busy by like working on by just like okay I, I have like you know, going back in like video footage of like stuff that I have, I have these little clips and it also backs up my memory too with you, especially at a certain point, probably, you know, the year or two leading up to you leaving the church, but like seeing like in Shiloh at the big amphitheater show, um, that we put on, that was put on by Rick. And of course his secretary who became his wife was your Elijah person. Um, you guys are running around and there's just a video of like, you're dressed almost exactly the same and like you kind of look the same, you know, and she like goes this way and you go this way and you're both like holding clipboards and like, it's like little mini me kind of situation. Yeah. I really like that. Like you look back on it and you have, um, relatively good, um, memories of, of that, but it's, it is interesting to, you know, to see like how much, like I, in, in my view, you were like a shining example of like the Elijah Elisha relationship. But, um, was it, was it ever, I mean, do you look at this now and like your intense involvement and eventual departure, do you feel like the intense involvement was, was in some way like, uh, got you in, forced you out or, or made you leave? 
No, I, you know, my leaving was, it's, it's weird because I didn't leave the church intentionally. <laughs> like it was not my, that's not what I was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, although I did want to leave, but that, you know, we can get into that later, but no, honestly, I feel like my relationship was like, it was just, it was, a it was nice because it was an escape for me. Um, and the, the downside to me just kind of always being busy and always working and not looking inward is that when I did leave and became an adult, um, I had like, <laughs> I didn't know who I was. I didn't have a lot of skills. I didn't have a lot of social skills. I didn't have confidence. I didn't know how to make decisions on my own. I didn't know what to do with myself. Like it, I, where it was, where it was bad was later. It wasn't mm-hmm. bad in the moment. It was mm-hmm. bad later. So when you're when you're in it and you're plugged in and you're doing what the church wants you to do, you don't have to worry about that other stuff of like taking care of yourself. It's when you now don't have the support of the church that like that makes it kind of mm-hmm. that makes sense. And when all of your all of your time is being used um, to do the bidding of whatever the church leadership wants, that's. Uh, you know, yeah. like what, what else? I even remember there? like certain friends or friends of them, like making a comment, like, you know, God, you're always there. You know, we want you to come do this to, you know, we want to go to the mall. We want to go to the movies, all the, you know, whatever teenagers do. And I always would say no, cause I was busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember thinking that they just didn't understand. <laughs> like yeah. they didn't get it. <laughs> what does um, that, what does that mean? Like what, it, what they not get? like what they should be doing, you know, where their focus should be. Not that I was really judging them, but I'm like, you just don't understand what I'm doing is important. Mm-hmm. I'm busy. Yeah. I'm happy. And, this is what, what I should be doing. What was so important about what you were doing? I, don't, I have no idea. <laughs> That's just what was being told. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there you know, we were planting landscaping around the new school or at Rain Street. You know, I, we were, Building the prophetic community, right? Yeah, you know, I was assisting these great people and the things they needed to do, and it was important, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. and what did you? I mean, you when we talked earlier about this, what did you feel? Because what they said was the prophetic community or whatever was being done. This was all a part of like building God's kingdom or somehow connected to a word that Gary was bringing. Even your submission stuff. How much did that factor into your choices and what you were feeling? Uh, not at all. I <laughs> I was never very religious. I, I guess I didn't think that thought until I got older and was out. But honestly, it was I just wanted to have fun and keep busy. It was never like, oh, Gary and Marilyn said this. Like, I honestly wouldn't have known what they said because I didn't listen to the word ever. Mm -hmm. I did everything I could to be busy during services. I didn't have time to be listening to the tapes or reading the this week's later on. Like, I just listened to what I was asked to do or told to do and did it. And the reason why didn't matter really to me. What was the incentive? Was it just to be a part, you know, to feel a part of like a family or a group? Um... Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think it was the family. 
I definitely thought of it more as a family than a group, you know, for phrasing. Like, it was definitely a family, which is why when I left, it was so hurtful and hard because I felt like my family, you know, deserted me. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was being a part, being around people that loved me, that appreciated me, that wanted me to be, you know, busy. You know, they might have their own alter. Arterial. What am I trying to say? Alternative motives or whatever. They might have their motives, but like to me, it felt like appreciation. And, you know, I was like, they saw that I was dedicated. They saw that I wanted to be there. They, and they, they knew it and I don't know, validation. So so as long as you were doing what they told you to do and you were walking the line, Mm -hmm. then you were validated and accepted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you experience any times where... That didn't happen where you kind of veered off of that line and then experienced, yeah. you know, suffered the consequences? Absolutely. You know, it was right around the time my relationship um, with my, my Elijah relationship, relationship started, but um, probably no coincidence there. But, um, you know, because of troubles at home, I started getting depressed. And then, you know, unfortunately, I would do some self-harm stuff that um, I was never trying to, you know, actually end my life. But it was more of like an outlet for pain kind of a thing. And then when the church found out about it, the leadership, um, it was like, you know, all hands on deck. You know, I had to sign this letter that I wouldn't hurt myself. And they sent me to outside therapy, which was kind of a big deal. Um, and there was like all this focus. Like I, I was not allowed to wear certain jewelry because I used to use it to like hide my scars and stuff Mm -hmm. so like they took away my parents took away my jewelry and like every moment of my life was now like being watched Mm -hmm. and so I I started to kind of rebel a little bit obviously I I think I was 13 so I started to rebel and you know I you know I I would go out rollerblading in the neighborhood and meet like the skate skateboarding boys behind Vons and you know like I started to like look outward and try and get away from the the not the church but like all this like every accounting of every moment of my life um and that you know that was bad right you know making friends outside the church and Mm -hmm. trying to get boys attention and like whatever so around that time is when the Elijah relationship started and I think it's they were trying to like bring me back in when I was rebelling yeah. You know, by making friends outside of the church. Yeah. The, the skateboarding boys behind bonds, which <laughs> just yeah, I totally, terrible. Yeah. What I'm seeing here is like you're 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 avoiding family, like whatever is happening in family, and trying to fit into this group, the larger family that was supposed to be there. Why why were you running away from from family? Is that something we can talk about a little bit? Yeah, I think I mean I don't know how happy, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm guessing here, but I don't know how happy my parents were together. Mm-hmm. Um, and my sister was going through her own rebellions and her own things. We were on different pages, but me and my sister were very, very close. She was kind of like another mother to me. Um, and she left the, the church before me because she's older. And I remember when she left, I was so hurt. You know, I was like, Mm -hmm. I personally felt her. I felt like she was leaving me. I remember her like literally packing and leaving the house. And I watched her like leaving and I was like crying. But um, I think my house just was 
it was frigid. It was tense. You know, there was lots of sarcasm and little digs. And, you know, I, when I was home, I was cleaning and all the time and it just didn't feel like home or like mm -hmm. there was love there. I know they loved me, but it didn't feel like that in the house. And so it was uncomfortable and I'm really perceptive and a quick read of people. And I'm really sensitive to like energies and stuff. I still am. And I am happy that I'm that way because it's helped me in life, but it was just so uncomfortable to be at home. So mm -hmm. it was wanting, you know, to find somewhere else to be that drove me to do a lot of the things I did as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you find that, you know, in the church, or if you're trying to find that in the church and you're plugging yourself in, like you said, you're keeping yourself busy. Um, do you think that was a reaction to like not wanting to be at home? Absolutely. And yeah. Yeah. What I find interesting, cause you said like so many people loved me and like that comfort until eventually you left and all of that. And there was those troubles, but in it, when you're, when you're trying to fit into the larger family, the church and whatever at TLW. I mean, we're seeing very much so now, this is also a really big dysfunctional family. Um, how did you feel that you were accepted? How, why was it a good thing? And did you, were there things that, did you see the dysfunction ever and try and, I don't know, what did you do when you did see a dysfunction, if you did? within like yeah. TLW's walls? Um, I think the, the, one of the first things you asked was like, how did I feel the validation or the love? Mm -hmm. Is that, um, yeah. I think it was, you know, a lot of people want to be involved in the church. You know, you wanted to be involved and there was like the in crowd and the, you know, the outliers or whatever. And if you were in, you, you wanted approval. And so you got that by being allowed to do certain things, you know, what you were allowed to help with, um, said something. And so, you know, if you finally get to do some task and you get asked to do it again, that's validation. So I think, you know, that's the kind of stuff I was seeking out to do. And also trying to keep busy with things that didn't have me have to actually sit in the services. Like I remember my sister, she, she volunteered by the tape doing tape editing. And so she had to like take notes and stuff during service. And I was like, what a loser. <laughs> Why would she pick that? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I would like do everything I could to avoid that. But you know, I felt validation <laughs> by being asked to like re-asked to do things or, you know, yeah. whatever. No, yeah. being around true. certain like if, people. If you were asked to say serve at like um, a leadership meeting or to do stuff, yeah, these that you, it was like, oh, then I'm I'm accepted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I, by having the Elijah Elisha relationship I had, I was just already there. You know, I was already around stuff, and also because I like being behind the scenes more so than in front of the scenes, it was great because. I wasn't the one sitting there taking notes or whatever. I was the one setting up things and then getting out of the way, you know, so people weren't really watching me. It was, it was like the perfect scenario for me. Mm -hmm. Did you yeah. notice though that like we hear a lot of, uh, and my experience in this as well is that the closer into the inner circle that you are, which everyone thinks that's like what you want to, you want to be in there. But did you mm -hmm. notice that once you were there, it's like the level of control and abuse and all of that ramps up. 
I, I, I think I understand that from other people's stories, but for me, I like, I mentioned, like I kept my head down. I just, I was appreciative for being asked to be involved and I didn't, it was nice to not really have to make decisions, right? I didn't realize I wasn't making decisions. I was just blindly following, like true blindly following. Mm -hmm. So I didn't necessarily notice a lot of control because I was like willingly giving <laughs> mm-hmm. myself mm-hmm. up. Right. So. Well, that makes sense. If you have an unstable home life and you mm-hmm. probably really were craving a sense of stability and yeah. you get that from somebody telling you what to do and when to do, especially when you're 14, 15 years old, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and there's no way they didn't notice that. Like, I'm not trying to say it was some like amazing situation. Like looking back on it now, I'm like, there's no way they did. Like they knew who they had me like, you know, figured out. They knew exactly mm-hmm. who I was and what I was willing to provide. And mm-hmm. it just happened to also benefit me. So. Yeah. Well, that's what I think is so interesting. Um, talking, you know, hearing you teal, the, 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 the production company teal W the, the, the building, this Rick's studio was like, Aside from being hanging out with Gary and Marilyn and being in their inner circle, this was like the other innermost circle. Mm-hmm. And um, Rick's secretary, you know, if you look at the the history of his marriages, was always a secretary. He would hire he would hire somebody, hire somebody as the secretary, and then they would a few years later they'd be his wife. Mm-hmm. And you're in this, like you described TLW, it's this dark, low ceiling place with carpets on the walls and cats crawling around or whatever. <laughs> and like, you go into it and it's like, it's very inner circle that you really, you, you had to get through a buzzer. Like there was a camera on the front door. And so like, if you wanted to get in, you had to stand there in this blank, no signs, nothing, just this in <laughs> the middle the of North Hollywood underneath the Burbank air. Poking out the side. Yeah. A little Christmas yeah. trick, <laughs> gates, security cameras, like nondescript. There's, you know, car repair shops on all the sides. No one would know that this place was a place. And then you hit the ring, the doorbell and you have to hit the right doorbell too. Cause there were like seven different doorbells and you had to hit the right <laughs> one. And then the little thing would come on and somebody would see you and they would be like, do we trust this person? Okay. Open the, <laughs> open the door. So very inner, that's just to get in then to be there late nights, then to be there working as much as you did and to be working and to be plugged into attached at the hip to Rick's secretary who would eventually become his wife um, that's inner circle. But when I hear you telling your resharing your memories, you know, you're a teenager, there's a surprising lack of juice, you know? know. <laughs> and that to know. me is like, what does that mean? Does that mean nothing happened? I can't imagine that. What what how do you make what what do you make that out to be, Jojo? Uh you know, I I don't know. I mean, I can't speak to the juice like you mentioned, but I think, you know, it's e- it either it wasn't happening when I was around or I'm I was definitely really awkward when it came to like romance. <laughs> you know, I I did not have the best example at home um, of what that should look like. And I do know that whenever I, you know. I would like look away for when my parents, like the few times I remember them ever kissing, I would be like, ew, and I would look away. I mean, not like as a five-year-old, as like 
a 13, 14, 15 year old. Like I'm like, Evie, you're kissing. Um, so I do think that there was a bit of my reading the room, my being uncomfortable with certain things where I would remove myself and I would just keep myself busy. I tried not to get involved with too much of the interpersonal stuff. So um, I, I also think that regardless of me being a little sheep, I've always been, been very inquisitive and outspoken. So I do also think that, you know, I'm not someone that would be okay if, if I saw something bad happening and mm. not bring it up and not tell people. Like, I mm. am very outspoken. So I don't know if that played a part in it. Yeah. But I definitely don't have a lot of juice. <laughs> it's so it's so interesting because it, it sounds like, you know, they were good enough about hiding things. And they either knew, like like you're saying, like they either knew that you would say something or you also self-corrected and just yeah. were, you're so well-trained to leave the room at the right time that you did without even thinking about it, even long mm -hmm. before anything like serious happened, which is, it's very interesting. Um, you're well, such a good cult member. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, because Absolutely. that's, we know now that during the time that you were Elijah Elisha with Rick's secretary, they were having an affair. Mm -hmm. We know that came out later, um, which, you know, I'm sure like in retrospect, you could look back and think, oh, yeah, I definitely. But when you're young, too, you were such a young woman, like 15. And like you said, pretty naive about romance and relationships. Exactly. It's, it'd be easy to just kind of dismiss that as like, oh, I don't that's nothing. It's like mm -hmm. extreme dedication, you know, admiration, like, and believe me, this became an issue for me after leaving the cult, like, you know, <laughs> trusting people or not trusting people, being far too affectionate too soon or not affectionate soon enough or whatever, like m my not understanding how to navigate that was is something I had to learn much later in life. But yeah, you know, I, who knows, like maybe the Johanna today could be plopped back in the exact same situation and be like, Oh my God, what is going on? You know, mm -hmm. but the Johanna mm -hmm. then could have just seen it as, as love, you know, as admiration, mm -hmm. as a good follower, as a good assistant. I don't know. And I definitely mirrored, tried to mirror that, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. How how did you try and mirror that? In, uh, you know, when you when you care about someone, um, you will do anything to help them. You know, you'll give them your last dollar. You know, you you validate them. You tell them how you feel about them, you know, you're right there in their face <laughs> and that's not always necessary or valid, you know, like let's say in a working situation, you know, with my boss, I'm not saying that ever happened, but like, you know, I don't need to be like my, you know, expressing my undying admiration for like a work associate or something, right? You have to, I had to learn that later, but um, I definitely tried to mirror that. Mm -hmm. So where did, where did things where did we, uh, um, where did things rub, start rubbing the wrong way? What yeah. led to you, um, ultimately like leaving? Um, so the first time I realized I was in a cult was when George W. Bush was running for president. Uh -huh. And 
the church was having one of their prophesying, like, what's it when everyone gets in line, comes up to the stage and like screams at the microphone? Yeah, prophesying. In this, yeah. Intercession. <laughs> Intercession. Yeah, it was like, it was one of those. It wasn't like a random one or two people. It was like an hour of just like. Yeah, one okay. of those services. Yeah. They would do that every now and then. Like, we don't have anything particular yeah. to say. So we just open the mics up and whoever wants to come say some stuff just starts screaming. A lot of ranting. Yeah. 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 yeah and. There was like an overwhelming amount of people getting up prophesying for for his success in the election. And like they were angry and they were just screaming. And as soon as like one person started, it just built. And then everyone's talking about it and whatever. And I that popped into the sanctuary for whatever reason. And I was standing there like leaning against the pillar listening. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like literally, <laughs> where am I right now? Like this is fucking crazy. Wait, We're so, at church. <laughs> yeah. So Jojo, it sounds like you're saying you did everything you could to avoid church services, and then the one time you showed up <laughs> yeah. for a church service, you're like, oh wait, this is a cult. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. That's probably why they let you stay out of services. Maybe on some level they knew that she, like, she's too smart. We can't let her in a service. She'll catch on right away. So yeah. what about it? What about people screaming that they want George Bush to be president um, makes it a cult? Well, you know, I think mixing religion with with politics is weird, kind of. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and everyone like jumping on the bandwagon to talk about it and like prophesying for it. Like, I don't know. I feel like that's not appropriate behavior at a church and like how angry people got and how like worked, like how worked up and stuff. It just felt very, I felt like I was in the seventies. I felt like John Robert Stevens would have like walked into the room at some point and then like, yay, you guys are all amazing. I don't know. Like it just <laughs> felt very like, like culty and weird and, like everyone was jumping on the bandwagon. I don't even know if they believed in what they were saying. Like it, like they weren't even in control of themselves. It was like the group it, think. Yeah, yeah, and it just or the seems Holy Spirit. So... I mean, that's what they would call it. <laughs> Holy Spirit directed group think. Yeah. yeah, basically. Yeah, I just thought it was inappropriate, and like we didn't talk about uh, politics at my house because I think my parents had different views on politics, and so whenever I'd ask about it, they would be like, "We don't talk about that." So I already had this like internal thing of like we don't talk about politics openly hmm. and then to hear people like screaming about it in church it just felt really weird um and i think it, you know it wasn't like that day i was like cult but it was more like that day i was like this is wrong and weird hmm. and this there's like group thinking and bandwagon going on hmm. and my eyes it was almost like my eyes got opened because mm -hmm. i didn't leave right away I, I don't know i was like 15 or 16 then maybe and i left a week after my 18th birthday. So it took a couple years, but I definitely started looking around differently, you know, looking at everything differently. What was that process like then after that? This is that you, you had this moment where you, it plants a seed of like doubt that maybe this isn't like a normal church. This is a mm -hmm. strange organization. And then is, what was that like after that for you to just start seeing more things clearly? Well, I, think that it, all it did was make me have some data to go off of inside. I'm like, okay, cool. I, I know I don't like the church part of this family I'm a part of. Mm -hmm. So let's make sure 
because this is what my life is and this is where I live and there's no getting out of it. Let's make sure I'm focusing my time on the things that can keep me busy that aren't involved in the religious side of things. And I already wanted that, but now like I knew, you know, so Mm -hmm. it, it helped me have like a, a grounded, like firm opinion on it. And like, I would, you know, volunteer to do certain things that I knew would keep me busy right outside of all of that. So if anything, it just gave me the courage to, to like push to be where I wanted to be rather than listening Mm -hmm. to all the wackos. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, I, I think that's such a good, a good point with like a lot of this is we hear the, the charity and I've had this conversation with just amongst ourselves a little bit too, where it's like, I I know my experience in the church had a, had a little more connection to the religious side of it. My dad was into that. And so I saw things as like, well, what's the word? What's the God talking to you? Blah, blah, blah. Like what all that stuff was going on. Um, but there is this whole thing where you're kind of talking about this. You're like, Oh, okay. Well, the main purpose of this family, I don't care for, but I like the family you know, and yeah. it's like that to me is really weird. Like, OK, the whole purpose of the church is people scream about George Bush or whatever. <laughs> um, and that's the thing you don't like. But you're like, I like the people. So I'm going to stick around and just try and cut this one aspect out of it. And mm-hmm. it is interesting because that's that the family part of it is the stickiest part. It's mm-hmm. the hardest it thing to remove because it's it's touching something inside of you that you like need on a fundamental level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the fact that I was able to be su- so successful in navigating the way I wanted to says a lot about that. It wasn't just a church mm-hmm. because I wasn't going to church. Like I d- wasn't, I was doing everything, but it yeah. while being involved. Right. So if the core of all of this is church, I don't know where I was because that's not, I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like the core of it wasn't the church. And so that's something I've also thought a lot about later in life is like, how, how was I able to do all the things I did and not, and spend so little time being religious and being involved in the, in, in the church side of things, if it was actually just a church. Yeah. That is, that is a good point. Yeah. That's very interesting. Because it was so much more than that. Yeah. And definitely the, the lifestyle. The, <laughs> well, the, the Rick part of it too was very like very removed from church. And the only thing that connected it was the like, well, we record the church services and mm-hmm. that's really important. So let's dig a hole in Iowa and put all our recordings in there and keep it perfect humidity in the vault of you know, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, and that was the only thing that made sense, but you were just like, let's no, let's build rain street. Let's uh, put on a fireworks mm-hmm. show. Let's mm-hmm. like, I'll hold the clipboard and do the things. Um, and I loved all the projects, you know, like the haunted house. Oh my gosh. It's mm-hmm. ruined Halloween for me because nothing ever will compare. Those are like such fun times. You know, so the haunted house, the Christmas truck, the amphitheater show, the ra- all these projects, I loved them even more because not only was I doing something that seemed fun, but I was allowed to, you know, instead of coming home at 9 p.m., sometimes I come home at 3 a.m. Sometimes I didn't come home. Sometimes I spent the night at TLW. And so I was able to be gone longer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it was fun. There were sometimes days I wouldn't see my parents. And that's all a selling point for you yeah. at this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Which is why I think it's typical of cults to exploit people that have difficult family lives or just personal lives. You know, they offer an escape, a solution, a family, quote unquote, um, Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And you know, that's, that's a good point because, um, that's also an opportunity. It's also makes sense at that point, you'd be incentivized to ruin families and tear families apart because then you have broken homes that you can pull people who don't want to be home and are not Mm -hmm. committed to their home family, which, you know, they did, they force people to divorce. They did that all the time. Yeah. Yeah, They did all the time. Um, so then if, if family was so, if the family part of the church was so important, what, um, but what ended up breaking that? How did you end sure. up getting out of that? Well, to to comment on something you guys just said, it was really interesting. When my parents got divorced, it was um, right after my 17th birthday. And, um, you know, at TLW, that thing you were talking about where you push the button and someone looks at you and then they buzz you in. I was that person on Thursday nights for a number of years. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was sitting there doing front desk and I get this phone call to come that like, or no, maybe someone walked around the corner and they were like, I'm going to drive you home. I don't know. Anyway, whatever it was, I got sent home and it was really weird. And it was like this big, I can tell something big was going on. And when I get home, my parents tell me that they're getting divorced. And my mom takes me up to my room and is talking to me. And she told me that she had submitted to the shepherds that when I was 13 years old, that they wanted to get a divorce. And the church said no, because of what I was going through mentally, that I wouldn't be able to handle it, which is hilarious because I promise you, I would have been so much happier if they had just gotten divorced. Mm -hmm. But, um, so my, they told her to wait till I was 18 and she said that she just couldn't wait anymore, mm-hmm. which is why. And she apologized for doing it when I was 17. Yeah. Wow. And I was just like sitting there like, I don't know yeah. what's going on right now. This is a lot of information. Yeah. Um, so that is a situation where the church actually like tried to keep them together, which well- that's so interesting. Weird. I don't know if it would be the same shepherds or not in that situation, but around that same time, I had a sit down with the shepherds. They were trying to get me out of a relator, trying to break me up with somebody. And they told me, they're like, hey, but no, we're also trying to force a couple other people to stay together. So we don't always just break people up. We also <laughs> want to force we're them together. We're just really committed to making people to do things they don't want to do is what it <laughs> they comes down to. They just get it wrong no matter what. They got it. They get in there and they're just like, uh, together? Bad to I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It does, it's just, it's, it's inserting themselves into other people's relationships. And like you're even saying here, like if, if, if your parents would have just been honest with what they wanted and chose the best path for themselves, instead of having the church, it would have probably been better for you. As Absolutely. A kid. Yeah. Which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, so now they're getting divorced. Then what happened? Mm-hmm. So, um, that last, so I left a week, like I said, a week after my 18th birthday. So that last year I was in the church. Um, it was, a, I don't remember a lot of it now. Um, because it was, it was confusing. I was just as involved as always. I had a boyfriend who was in the church. Um, he was, um, you know, involved in the audio booth and, you know, people like thought of him as like a good, I don't know, a good person. He moved here from Iowa. So I don't know. It was like, Oh, I caught a good one or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's like kind of the he vibe. Was a I dedicated got. church boy. Yeah. According to, um, some people. and you know, I don't want to tell his story, but you know, I will, I mean, because it's my story too, I will say like, it wasn't like, there was definitely a front being put on 
and behind the scenes, you know, it was kind of a different story. And mm -hmm. so that was definitely, you know, my mom had just left. I was with someone I really loved and, you know, they were struggling. Um, so it was kind of a confusing year for me, which mm -hmm. I think is why I don't really remember a lot of it. I was really torn, yeah. you know, where should I be? Um, it was just me and my dad living at my house and, and, uh, I always say that at this point in my life, I kind of felt like I, would, I had a roommate. Like I had a room in this house mm -hmm. that I didn't have to pay rent for, which was really cool. But that's kind of how it felt. Really <laughs> and, cool you know, that a 17-year-old doesn't have to pay rent in her own parents' house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that would have been horrible. <laughs> but um, yeah, that year was just such such chaos. You know, I decided to get a job that summer, my first real job to make some money. I wanted my own money. Um, so, you know, I'm meeting people outside the church now. Mm -hmm. I worked at a restaurant. Uh, I was a hostess. It was super fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, everything just felt like all of a sudden stuff was changing. Mm -hmm. And the energy felt different. I felt different. And I definitely was not in tune with myself. Like I said, I did not know how to look inward at all. So I wonder if the, the me today would have dealt with it all very different than I did mm -hmm. then. But I kind of just did what I do when things feel chaotic and I just want to like shut it all down and start over. So I, I needed to, I didn't think I could control a lot of my life, but one thing I felt like I could control was that I did not want to be at my house anymore. I did not want to live with my dad mm -hmm. and I didn't feel confident or strong enough to have that conversation with him. I did submit to my shepherd that I wanted to move into one of the, you know, group houses. I don't know what to call them. Like they'd have like a house with a bunch of people living in it. Yeah. The communal, yeah, the homes, communal that, homes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The church owned and rented out to single people. Yeah. And it was like, uh, we need to talk about this. We'll get back to you. And then I waited a little bit longer and I'm like, okay, I need to know. I remember very clearly saying like, if we don't do this, by such and such date, I'm just going to move out. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you know, we really understand. I don't, I don't know why it wasn't moving fast enough for me. I mean, I know it was months, but like all of a sudden one day I just decided I'm moving out. Like I'm moving out today when my dad wasn't at home. So a friend came over and me and my, uh, another person actually did this together. So me and another person in the church that was the same age as me, mm -hmm. we just packed up our stuff and their parents had just gone through a divorce too. We were yeah. like, we were both working at that restaurant. Our lives were starting to go down this very similar path. We were both dating someone in the church that people looked up to and held at high regard. Like not the same person, obviously. Like we both had boyfriends. We uh -huh. you know everything was kind of the same. And we both were like, we are going crazy. We need to do something about this. So we wow. decided to leave our homes Yeah, and we got, went and just stayed with my sister. We lived in her living room. Just because we can in this instance, there's an interview with Sarah on, on YouTube. That is the friend that you're talking about. And so mm -hmm. if you want to get the other side of it, that's in there. But, uh, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's really interesting that you're like, you're doing everything right. And then one day you're just like, nope. And you just, what happened when you moved, when you moved out? How did the church or family react? Yeah. So, it, so I broke up with my boyfriend and I moved out of my house. Those are the two changes I made. And that was all I was at that point actually trying to do. 
not, I don't, the boyfriend stuff doesn't really matter. I don't know why I needed to do that, but that's what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I needed to move out of my dad's house. And, you know, uh, we needed to find a place to live. And so there was this, my sister's like, yeah, you can crash on my couch for a little bit, but that's like a temporary thing. Um, so we needed to have money and we needed to get an apartment. And so we were trying to get, you know, more hours at the restaurant. We were trying to get other jobs. We were both applying at like all the same places, but basically we needed to work a bunch to be able to afford rent. And so we just stopped going to school because we needed the days to work or interview or whatever. And And you were both going to the church school, right? Yeah. Yes. And it was our senior year. Um, It had just started, right? This was November. So it had just started not long before. And because we stopped going to the school and didn't get permission and did all this stuff, I don't know. I actually haven't had many conversations with people about what actually happened on the inside during Mm -hmm. this time. But what we were told was like, you are not welcome back. You cannot come. Like they, we, I don't know if you would consider us a blowout or if we got like excommunicated. I don't really know. I do know that I wasn't trying to leave the church, but I was flat out told like, you are not welcome here mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. Was that even by your Elijah, this, this woman that you were close to? No, it was the principal of the school. Yeah. That, did did she do anything though? Like when you were told you couldn't come around, couldn't come back, did your this person that you were so close yeah. to as an Elijah Elisha relationship, did they just stop talking to you or what happened there? I think I cut ties with everybody at that point. Like I felt so much shame, but I also was so scared. I wasn't scared of the church, I was scared of life. Like I was like, oh my God my world just crumbled. All I was trying to do was get out of a bad living situation. And I literally, my, my world just literally crumbled around me. And I don't understand how like the mm-hmm. rug got pulled out from under my feet. Like mm-hmm. all these people that were supposed to be loving me. I don't, I don't know. I, I, so I think with my shame, I like, I wasn't answering calls or maybe people weren't calling. I don't quite remember, but I cut ties with her. Like it was just done. Like I was out. Mm-hmm. I was out and no one was talking to me. That's so interesting. It's such an extreme, um, you know, I, I try so hard with this memory cause I was in your class at the school and there were eight of us until, until what is that? 20% of our class <laughs> dropped out one day. So then there were six of us and, uh, and there was a, a few small discussions that happened, but not by people that were in like, not by the principal, if she showed any, cause she was also a shepherd of the church and, um, very, very, you know, pretty high up and important. And, um, she was angry with you, both of you. Um, that was her way of handling it is that like, there was something wrong with you guys. And, but we didn't get to see much. It was just, I feel like, I think I went out of town that like, and then came back and everybody was like, Oh yeah, Jojo and Sarah, they're they're gone, and and I was like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> like, what happened? And uh, so weird. Yeah, so it's just there wasn't a lot of talk about it. I think we kind of, as a class, we kind of talked about it and tried to understand what was happening. But yeah, there was there was a cutoff, and certainly the adults didn't didn't tell us what was happening. I don't really know a lot of the conversation that was happening um, amongst the the 
teachers who were, most of them were plugged in very much so in the church. Um, but that's, that's the way it felt. I think a little bit, yeah, you were, you were out and it is really interesting hearing this side of it where I understand that thing where it's like, you're, you're, it sounds like you're saying a little bit like, oh, I was, you know, suddenly you stop talking to people, you cut them off, but also no one, like they cut you, you weren't trying to leave the church. Yeah. And no, then that was suddenly just a your response. whole family was done. Like your family. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was trying to leave the school, not initially, but when I realized, oh, you need money, you know, mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I guess I can't go to school anymore. But my not going to school somehow equated to not wanting to be at the church too, I guess, mm -hmm. which I mean, I probably didn't want to be at the church, but that wasn't the intent at the moment. <laughs> so it was yeah. probably more about the fact that you made these big decisions and didn't submit them. And mm -hmm. so they're punishing you for that. And I can see, Absolutely. you know, the, the principal slash sh uh, shepherd, that person you're talking about, mm -hmm. very, very retaliatory if, if you did not uh, follow mm -hmm. the rules. Yeah. Which yeah. You and, you know, at the school, I was, it was similar to at the church. Like I went to the school from preschool through 12th grade. I never went to another school. Um, I, in all four years of high school, I did each of the student council. You know, first I was secretary, then I was treasurer, then I was vice, then I was president mm -hmm. of student council. I were you, you know, president when, when you dropped out? Yes, too? that was that 100%. was the really funny part too. Is just it was like, a big deal. You know what? You know part. <laughs> yeah, part of this is part of this is is you slapped the principal in the face. I mean, both totally. Of you. That was that was a big part of it. There was a there was a failure on her part. Is what that looks like. And I mean, that's the mm -hmm. way she took it. As like you know, she's running a bad school or whatever. Her students yep. are dropping out, but you know, yeah. And she probably was, but like, it was partly that, like, that's, uh, the extremeness of this. Mm -hmm. you know, I thing. remember a week before I left, it was, like I said, it was my 18th birthday and I was like, <laughs> I wanted to get my tongue pierced. And so I asked my dad, well, I told my dad, I was like, Hey dad, I'm going to go get my tongue pierced. He's like, absolutely not. You know, putting metals in your body, it like ruins the chi. I don't know, something about chi and energy and, <laughs> And I was like, well, I wasn't really asking you. I was kind of just telling you out of courtesy. So I'm going by and I went, which is a lot to my attitude at the time. Mm -hmm. And I went and got my tongue pierced and I went to school. And I wasn't thinking about how swollen it would get and how long it would be swollen. And so I'm at school that Monday and the person in charge of student council was a teacher. And she like pulled me aside and she's like, Johanna, this is unacceptable to have, you know, you're such a bad example. You know, you can't dye your hair crazy colors. You can't have you know, piercings that aren't your ears. Like you're le like, you know, your leadership, you're like the uh, president, you're setting a God. bad example. And I was like, I'll try not to talk. Like, I don't <laughs> <laughs> but your I, I, tongue is offensive. <laughs> I, I just remember it was such a big deal. And the only person that was mad was the person in charge of student council because uh -huh. of how bad it looked. I'm like, that's hilarious. Oh that yeah. is really hilarious. I think I think it's a uh, it's it's all very like the thing you're saying about like you got involved so much in student council and and other things. It's it speaks more to that like staying busy, um, staying busy in the in the in church and like all that stuff. Hello, Luna. <laughs> Luna's <laughs> upset by this. Whole, no. I know we don't like cults, do we? No. <laughs> That's the cutest little meow. 
Uh, you know, she's, she's about to bite me is what's happening. Yeah. She's not getting enough attention. I'm petting you for Christ's sake. Anyway, <laughs> carry on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I do remember one time me and Sarah went, I don't know why, but there was something going on with the school at the sanctuary and we like came by and um, like the principal literally like pulled us out and got in our faces and was like, get out of here. Uh-huh. Like, you know, right. Like, get out of here. It was crazy. It was like, the. Yeah. it was so scary. It was so weird. Was That's that just such gr- an intense response to you, like, just making a decision for yourself. Mm-hmm. Was you that know? graduation that you're talking about? No. Oh, my. No, that was, was just else? some random thing. I don't know what was going on at the sanctuary, but graduation was, that one was frustrating because, you know, by the time graduation came around, that was the whole school year later, right? Mm-hmm. Um Lots of time had passed. Like, we were definitely out of the church, you know. Life had settled into whatever it was. And uh, I had gotten, I had asked if I could come to the, sorry, my cat auto feeder's going off. And it's oh. because it's it was like the call to prayer. It kind of sounded like somebody. <laughs> it was my husband's it's, voice being like, here, kitties, food oh. time. <laughs> it's like a recording. That's so cute. It's the call to kibble. It's called the call to kibble, yeah. <laughs> it was totally distracting me. Sorry. Um, I had gotten permission to go, and I really wanted to go, even though I was terrified. But, like like I said, I had gone to school with some of these kids since preschool. Like, I cared a lot, and I hadn't seen anyone. Like, no one was allowed to talk to me. I had no friends except for the one person I had left with, and I was really excited when I was told I could go to the graduation. Mm-hmm. So... I didn't usually care how I looked at the time, but I remember I was like so nervous. I like went tanning. I bought a new outfit. I got my hair done. Like, I'm like, I'm going to look amazing so that they know like my life is fine. I'm not like burning in like in flames or whatever. (laughs) Like life is good. And I, you know, I was broke. There was like a day when I couldn't go to work because I didn't have enough money to buy gas so I couldn't drive. Like I was literally so broke. And the fact that I spent any money on this is ridiculous. (laughs) But I had gotten all ready and I was walking to my car and then I get a call from a shepherd saying, sorry, you can't come anymore. And I was like, like, I remember just started crying like, it was so horrible. <laughs> I was just heartbroken, like heartbroken. I was not allowed to come. Yeah. What did they say? Why did they give you a reason? No. No. You just, you're not allowed to come. And it was my original shepherd, the shepherd I had before my Elijah Elisha relationship. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, there's so many reasons why I'm upset right now. <laughs> but yeah. that was just insane to me. Like, there's hundreds of people that go to that thing. Like, Anyway, and the fact that I was even willing to go is crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Um, I think, (laughs) I think what's, what's kind of, I've been, I've been trying to understand this for like, for myself for a long time, because like, I'm trying to balance between like, is my memory terrible? Was I somebody that was like heartless or, but I'm starting, I'm like putting together after hearing, even like when I was listening to like Sarah, I was like, why do I not remember caring or having like deep feelings (laughs) about you guys showing up because I feel like I should because I've known like very close we've you know like I'm one of the ones since preschool that you remember um even Sarah even though didn't know in preschool like it was it was all like a closeness the whole time and I'm trying to like think back like I don't I you know it was our graduation and like two of our classmates weren't there and I was just 
listening to you like say this stuff. And I know that part of it was we were probably not privy to this whole thing going on that you wanted to come. Um, but then the other part is that like we only when we got updates from you, we were discouraged from reaching out to you. But then when we got updates about if we ever heard anything about you guys, it was how terrible your life is and how like, and it was painted like, like you both got pregnant and that was like the thing that was like, Oh, see, they dropped out. Now they're pregnant. They're just, their <laughs> life is awful. And it was, that was the only stuff, the only updates that we really, we really had from you. And I'm, I'm wondering, I don't know, like why didn't I care? I don't think it was that like, I didn't care. It was probably, I was encouraged not to think about it. Yeah. Um, and just disconnected from my feelings or something like how, how did I well, not I care? You know, that's kind of what all of us did when anybody left and yeah. we were conditioned to do that. It was just like, don't question it. Um, yeah, the narrative was always like their life is terrible now. And, um, if you even care, like yours might be too, or you might mm -hmm. be down the same path. It was just always like, focus, focus, focus back on the mission. Mm -hmm. Don't care about anybody who has left. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It was just poof, you're done. Yeah. I remember thinking that too, about people that I really cared about and just, yeah. It, looking back going like, why didn't I why didn't I follow up with that person and be like, what happened? Like, are you okay? You know, it was just part of the culture. Yeah. Which is so weird. It's, it's hard to understand that today. Why that, why you could do that. Right. Yeah. Totally. But, but it definitely made sense then. <laughs> right. Well, Cause I, we were so myopic. It was like this tunnel vision of, you know, really, truly nothing else mattered, but being a part of the church, being involved. Yeah. I feel, I, don't know. I feel really bad and I'm sorry for not <laughs> reaching out or no, no, thank you. You but... know, encouraging you to come or anything like that. I, I don't, I don't know. Did, I mean, did you end up eventually hearing? Cause you had also friends, like you said, you've known since preschool, you and another um, girl in our class was like incredibly close for so long. Did you hear mm -hmm. from her much when you left? Yeah. I, I mean, no, there is a period of time where I mean, I was working all the time. I was pretty heads down. I was typical Joe, but just my energy was focused somewhere else, right? Um, I but she's who invited me to the graduation, okay. so we somewhat kept in touch. But we, it was nothing like how it was. Like mm -hmm. we definitely weren't talking. I remember the first time I got a phone call from somebody, um, like a a friend from a few grades older. And I remember I was just so happy. I don't know how many months. It was maybe six months later. But my, I remember being so happy. And my boyfriend at the time was all jealous because it was a boy that had called. But he was like, why are you so excited? They're so happy. Why are you smiling so much? But it was like, well, it felt like I remember just being so happy that someone from my family mm -hmm. like was still thinking about me and didn't care what the shepherd said and was willing to call. Like it was a big deal. And I don't even know if they know that it meant so much to me, but it was just, he was just calling to check in and see how I was doing. And it totally, it, it validated me a little bit, you know, yeah. it made me feel like the love was still kind of there, but it was just being blocked. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there was a lot of that fear nice. being, put on people about, um, the consequences too, of keeping it. Cause you remember, so Johanna is my ex stepsister-in-law <laughs> 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 
And uh, I remember you were living in Seattle, and when my ex-husband and I moved to Seattle, and we we were spending time together, and I had posted something on my social media, mm-hmm. and my in-laws, your dad and my ex-mother-in-law, like, flipped out on us for because they saw we were spending time with you, and it was because yeah. you weren't in the church anymore. And it was just like... What? I mean, and that's, I don't know why. I think maybe I was surprised at the time because we had just left the church, which they didn't know that. But just, I was like, God, but people still really think this way that like, this is yeah. an issue. Like if you like hang you, out with someone who left the church. Yeah. You look bad and you, and therefore make them look bad. Like you mm-hmm. were making my dad and his wife look bad by posting photos of me on your social media. What a rebel. you bad, bad <laughs> blowout. So, <laughs> Johanna, how does that, how does that feel? I mean, your dad is like upset because somebody who's kind of related to him is posting photos of his own daughter on like what? Yeah. So, you know, that's a, we can, you know, let's come back to that because I feel like let's, let's go back to the, um, when I first left, because it's interesting how my dad and my relationship evolved. Okay. Um, let's hear it. So, I mean, we can go back to like when I left and like you had mentioned, you know, that Sarah and I both got pregnant. Right. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, we're now we're doing so horribly. Right. Like I, I'm not saying I regret having gotten pregnant, but I do regret that like any actions I took made them look right in any way, because like us getting pregnant genuinely had nothing to, it had to do with where we were mentally in our lives, had nothing to do with being out from under the covering. Like Uh that's just insane. So I, I do sometimes be like, oh man, like I really wish that they didn't have that one on me. I heard, I've heard that same <laughs> thing. Charity has said that same thing, similar things where it's like anything, any kind of like normal life thing happens and you're like, oh, the church probably yeah. grinning and smiling being like, ha ha ha. See, <laughs> yeah. the, the truth is they probably don't even care or think about it. They're so self-absorbed that they just, they hear stuff like that and they use it as a weapon. And mm-hmm. that's all it is. It's all their own shit. And it is, um, anyways, continue. Cause yeah, that is annoying, but like, <laughs> it's very annoying. Yeah. And I also hate that. I like care, like, you know, yeah. that I even like let that thought enter. I don't anymore, but like back then, like anyway, anyway, so, so Sarah and I ended up parting ways. Um, and you know, whatever, that's a different story. But, um, so I was pregnant and I was with this guy. I had started dating him just after I left the church and man, did I pick one? Right. So he was extremely controlling. And in the very, in the beginning, it was all, you know, it, I felt very special. And then I, then I was like his little you know, slave kind of a situation. Mm -hmm. Like I cooked and I cleaned and I was like the woman that had to be home and do all these things, but then he would go out partying a lot. So anyway, what I did is I put myself in this, into this new situation where I was like a servant and I was, and he was my family. He was my everything. I didn't have friends. I didn't have family. I didn't have, I didn't have anyone but him. And I was just like, okay, I'm focused, whatever he needs, whatever he wants. And of course, you know, in that situation, we ended up getting pregnant and I decided to keep it. And I had, I had always really, really wanted kids and I don't now. And I don't think it's because of what I went through. I think that I learned about myself that I think I just really wanted a family that I created that like that was full of love. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that if I had a kid, I could make that happen. Um, 
But now I know that you could just make that happen just by being yourself and finding people that are awesome. So, I mean, really, that's the um, only way is to... Yeah, yeah, so when I got pregnant, I was stoked. I was like, oh, my God, this is great. Like, I'm going to start my little family now, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, I give it to my dad for this one. But, I, you know, I, me getting pregnant definitely... He was like, okay, I need to be back involved in this person's life. Like he did the right thing and he was the one pursuing me. Mm -hmm. And my dad, I would say growing up, my dad and I were never very close. It was my sister and me that were much more close. I'm sorry. My mother and me were more close than my father and me. And then my dad and my sister had a great relationship. So like our relationship was always kind of whatever. And so this was kind of, this was the situation where we finally had our, our relationship, like I'd say almost like the first one where I chose it, he chose it. And it was really nice. You know, um, I would go over to my dad and Cindy's house every Tuesday night for dinner. Um, and it would, it felt good. And I, it definitely is cause I was pregnant. Um, so I'm 18 years old. I had turned 19 two months before I had my son. So you know, it's still all in the same first year. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, my dad and Cindy threw me a baby shower at their house and like some, some church people came and I was like, he didn't ask my permission. And I was definitely uncomfortable. I'm sitting there and there's all these people with gifts, like giving me gifts. And I'm like, so confused why they even wanted to be there. Mm -hmm. If they were allowed to be there, like it was just the most uncomfortable situation. But you um, went from being like ostracized and told you couldn't be a part to then suddenly these people are coming and wanting to like be at your baby shower. It's probably super yeah. confusing, mm-hmm. but I still couldn't be a part. Like that's mm-hmm. what was weird. Like I was still out, but yeah. so maybe there was this like, Oh, Johanna's, you know, going, she's really going through it. We all, you know, may, maybe maybe it's like a to her. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's one of those <laughs> yeah. things. I don't know, but I definitely was not welcome back. They, it was interesting. Odd. Yeah. I, I mean, just a quick aside on that. Like, I don't know. We don't know what this type of stuff is. There's a lot of confusing stories like that. I felt similar things where like there's these things where you're like, I feel like we're I'm not allowed. But I but these random events suddenly mm-hmm. were allowed in. It's it's a little bit like a like a stage thing. Like you've been put on the outside. If you want to get back to the inner circle, there's a, a list of qualifications. There's a mm. there's a, a series of tests that need to happen. And one of those first things is suddenly people showing up and they're like, they're mm-hmm. gonna suss you out. They're gonna check, they're gonna check to see like, mm. okay, can we bring her back in? How how far gone is she? You know, kind of that's, thing. Is that's her suspicion too? Yeah. yeah. Can we break it like again? Can, exactly. <laughs> can we use that to lure her back in? Because uh-huh. now life's really going to get hard for her and we're mm-hmm. gonna that we can take advantage of that and be like, we'll be here mm-hmm. for you. Conditionally, of course. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, weird baby shower. Yeah. So then, you know, like I said, I was still in the outs, but my dad and I, that's, you know, our relationship got great then. So that was awesome. Um, Then, you know, unfortunately, fast forward to four months later after I gave birth, um, my son passed away from SIDS, um, which is crazy because what they, what I was told is that SIDS is like, if you're under three years old and they don't know what the cause of death was, like they can't diagnose it, mm-hmm. they call it SIDS, which oh. to me, like my inquisitive brain, I'm like, oh, there could be like millions of diseases out there. We just don't know yeah. yet, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, a- so that happened and it was, it was horrible, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, How and old again, did you say it was four months? Yeah, it was, it was a week shy of five months. So wow. yeah. 
Well, it's really rough. So then again, here we go. I hear there's this funeral and like, I don't know, like a hundred church people came. And again, I didn't invite them. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I was so mentally checked out there though. At that time, I, I was just sleeping. I took my, my work gave me time off and I was just sleeping like 24 hours. Like sometimes someone would wake me up and be like, you have to eat, but I was just out of it. Um, so it was super, I was super disconnected at the funeral, but I do remember looking around being like, why are all these people here? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like they never even met him and they obviously don't care about me because where have they been? Like, yeah. what is this and why are they ruining today? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I went and I'm, I don't know if you remember that. And There's too many people. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's totally fine. I, um, cause I'm, I'm understanding like what you're saying, but I think that was probably the first time that I talked to you since you left. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's very, really interesting. You did thank me for coming, which now I'm connecting. You probably like, you know. <laughs> no, see, you're different though. Cause like you said, we've been friends for a really yeah. long time. So you being there actually probably was nice that I'm blanket stating. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's, it's showing but just yeah. very clearly, like, you're just like, you're dissociated, not, not oh, present, yeah. you know, and I didn't even cry at the funeral. Like, yeah, I was just sitting there. It was such a weird day, but yeah. So, you know, after that, um, my dad definitely pulled me in even closer and our relationship continued on. Like my sister and, and my dad, uh, stops talking and it was I was living with my sister eventually um and it was like weird to her that I would leave our shared house to go to dinner at my dad's house that she wasn't invited to like my dad's always had weird relationships you know with his kids he had a wife before my mom and had a kid with her and they weren't in the church and he like wrote her a letter when he was marrying my mom or no wait when she, when they were having my sister being like, I have a new family now and God wants me to focus on this church and I'm sorry, I can't see you anymore. And he like literally never saw her again. And she was like seven. So my, my dad sets these really weird boundaries and uses the church as like a reason for it. Uh -huh. Um, yeah. And we only know that because we got in touch with her and she still has the letter. So that's cute. Wow. But, and the picture he included of my sister. But yeah, so he, he's able to just cut people out. And so my sister's out and I'm in now. Right. Uh -huh. So anyway, um, then eventually him and I got on the outs and I think I was 20, I was 21. And that's when him and I cut ties. And I will say that whole time from 18 to 21, um, he never tried to get me to come to the church. He never asked me to listen to the word. He never brought me this week's like, I'm super surprised. He was just trying to be a part of my life and it was really nice. So what um, changed that? Do you think I stood up to him? He was, um, he was being really controlling of our relationship. And, you know, although Cindy's a really sweet woman, like I did not, I thought their relationship was a little odd and, Anyway, there was just some weird stuff going on and um, I, he was really mean to my sister. I couldn't handle it. And like I went to it was a Tuesday night dinner. I told him I wanted to quit this job. I had to be happier and do this other thing. And he started trying to tell me what to do. And I just didn't. I don't know. It's, it sounds like such a bratty thing to say. But I, I remember I stood up during dinner and was like, don't tell me what to fucking do. And I walked out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was that was wow. it. But I, I, a lot led up to it. But. Yeah. Anyway, um, you know, I think 
I, I hadn't heard from him until um, I saw him when he came up to visit for your ex-husband's um, promotion, promotion in the military. So like literally, I don't know, seven, eight years later. Wow. But so I, you know, my dad, to answer you from before, I think he, the, it, he was he had so much shame, I'm sure I'm guessing. But like he tried to connect with me. It didn't work out. And then I was still gone. And then here comes his new son and and his wife, and they're just in my life. Like I'm sure he was mortified. I I I don't know. We never talked about it, but like I I feel like you know to the church that was that was embarrassing for my dad for the church to see that mm-hmm. that he failed. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. I remember getting in an argument with him on the phone about it and just being like, what are you, what is the problem? And he was like, well, because we're in the church and she's not. And I was like, and? <laughs> I, your, mm-hmm. my, your dad and I have gotten a few fights. <laughs> yeah, it never, but it never felt like it was like my dad, like it always felt like it was an optics thing. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. I don't know either. What you're and describing, maybe... it's it's very similar with the, like the cutting off of family you know, it's, it's just very similar to what people experienced in the church too. And you experienced, Mm -hmm. you know, with this like sudden, Oh, sorry. Now it's a new day, new family, new day. See ya. Mm -hmm. Goodbye. Um, uh, it's, uh, again, I don't, I don't know anything about, I'm not a professional, but I hear this, this, this thing about, uh, narcissistic families and that kind of dynamic where it is, it's about one person, in there and everybody else is supposed to do what they want. And so that's why you end around, up, yeah, yeah, around them as you get the yeah. cutting off and the, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, that's wild. How do you, Jojo, how do you, uh, how do you, how do you feel? How, how do you keep, how do you go from that? How do you build a life for yourself with this? Yeah. Um, so, you know, when I first left, the, I, I mentioned already, I had to relearn so many things, not relearn, but learn so many things. I had to learn what, how you, how it's appropriate to hang out, to like to talk to people. I remember I said, I love you accidentally. Cause everyone in the church is like, okay, love you. Bye. Like always love you. This love you that you don't even like know you're saying it. Mm-hmm. And I remember I said that in the outside world and someone, they looked at me all crazy and I'm like, sorry, I'm used to saying that to everybody like how do you explain that away I don't know yeah (laughs) so it was it was that little kind of stuff oh my gosh my cat just keeps wanting to be involved um (laughs) um I I had to learn how to 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 listen to myself and it just took a long time like there was um it's all right take care of the kitty (laughs) I just don't want to like knock stuff over um how do I answer this? Like, you know, I threw myself into this, that relationship that was en- ended up being toxic that I had the, the child with um, and got out of that. And I kind of just bounced from relationship to relationship. Like, I definitely feel like I was born the day I left, like zero to 18 was my 18 to 26. Right. Um, and it was a whole new world. I had, you know, my eyes opened up and um. I mean, I made stupid mistakes. You know, you're, you're, you, you learn how to walk and you stumble, you, you push boundaries and you're like, Oh, if I touch that fire, I get burned. Or, you know, you're a brat to the wrong person and you get, you know, you're, 
you get punished or whatever. I had to kind of go through that. But as an adult where there's very different expectations on you, like you're not supposed to be learning these things when you're 24 years old. Mm -hmm. You should already know them. Like, obviously, no, I'm not supposed to touch fire and I know how to walk. But you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and I went through a lot of embarrassment and for somebody who already felt very insecure and didn't know how to make decisions, I I will say that going through this learning period as an adult and having all the different moments of shame and embarrassment that came with it was not necessarily helpful. Like I'm, I still struggle with confidence and stuff. I, mm-hmm. I might have this big personality, but inside I'm so harsh and critical on myself and I would love to find a way to make that go away you know Mm -hmm. I think it's just a byproduct of how I grew up and and then how Mm -hmm. I grew up again (laughs) yeah yeah do you feel like the that I mean because like some of the stuff you're talking about like do you feel like the church was critical of you or do you think that was just a family thing I feel like both I mean if I didn't I wanted to do the right thing at the church, but I know if I didn't, it wouldn't have been good. Yeah. And I know if, ultimately if I didn't, I wouldn't have been able to be as involved and I could, I would have to go home. So like mm-hmm. I wanted validation. I wanted to be looked at as good and doing the right thing and knowing the answers and whatever. So I could get what I, you know, what I wanted, but, um, well, and ultimately that had to take a toll on your self-esteem to find that you make one decision, big decision for yourself, and suddenly you're out. <laughs> yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Absolutely. You know, so I made it, I, but I feel like I learned really quickly. Like I, I observe a lot. I, 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 I'm not big on outside help. Um, I think getting, I think being forced to go into therapy when I was young really put a bad taste in my mouth for therapy. Like I associate it with like, I definitely knew when I was going to therapy that like, there's no way this therapist can understand me because I'm in a cult and they don't know the inner workings of this. So like, how could they help me actually? Mm -hmm. So in my brain, like therapists don't understand because they can't help because they don't know what you're going through. So how could they actually help? Mm -hmm. And like, although I know that that's wrong now, it's still in my head. You know, mm-hmm. so I what what I've learned how to do is talk, you know, go inward and like listen to myself. I, I'm really observant. Also, I watch, you know, people go through things and it might be something similar to me. And I'm like, oh, oh, that's what they did. And that's how it turned out. Let me try that or let me for sure not do that or whatever. Lots of trial and error. But I I'm really inward. It's funny. My husband even says, you know, sometimes of course I talk with him about things, but like, it's usually very like, Oh, you know, I'm having this problem at work, whatever. But then maybe I am venting about it with a friend or whatever. And he overhears and he, I often hear him say like, God, I didn't know that it was that bad. Mm-hmm. Or I didn't know you felt that strongly about that. And I'm, and it's cause I'm, 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 I might talk a lot, but I keep a lot of things in here and I'm like mulling it over until it's decided and it's done mm-hmm. and it's final. And I am my, I am my Your therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which is horrible because yeah. I don't know everything, but like, it's what I've learned to do. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's a conditioning of like not uh, ultimately finding that these people that you were supposed to be able to trust and had the answers for your life that they failed you. And so then it's like, how do you trust someone else after that? It's absolutely trust issues. It's trust issues and, 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 and fear of being embarrassed, mm-hmm. you know, 
saying something stupid or doing the wrong thing or making the wrong decision. Like if I keep it in, like I joke that if I, if you pull like my five best friends or whatever, I'm just making this number up, but if you put them in a room together and they, and tell them to all talk about me, they're going to learn so much about me because you know, I'll talk to you about this little thing and you like, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's this parse it out. <laughs> yeah. And it, even though I trust my husband, I trust my friends. Like I love these people. I definitely know that I need to protect myself because mm-hmm. I'm the only one that will ultimately. Wow. That's I'm uh, the only one I can control. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. That's, Cause you can count on people. Yeah. Oh, which is hard. Sure. To, you can, it, but you're right. You're the only one you can control. So to yeah. be, yeah. And it's you're like, the one that really knows best for yourself. I mean, I hope, but like, how could it, I mean, no one person can know everything. So I, you know, I go back and forth on this and I don't want it to seem like I don't trust my friends or my relationships because they're critical and like so important to me. But yeah, I'm, I don't know well, if it's the right or the wrong thing, but it's how I cope. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, a, I mean, when, as you heal, it becomes like a balance between the two. It's like, you mm-hmm. know, you trust yourself. And if you are like, trusting really in tune with your true inner guidance system and it's not trauma based and it's not like a reaction to the past, then yes, you know what's best for yourself. What's great is when you have people a network, um, even if it's just one or two people that you can trust that, you know, really genuinely unconditionally love you. And then they can Mm -hmm. be that mirror to you when, when it's not clear when you're, cause sometimes like, for example, I'll make decisions or have certain things come up where I'm like, I know I'm not operating from my center and I need someone to remind me this is who you are like absolutely you know when you're feeling insecure mm-hmm. or when you're making a decision out of fear like or yeah. challenge so you the, when you're like running or, you know down a course and they're like what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly because <laughs> yeah. we're wired yeah. for connection I say that all the time we're wired for connection unfortunately we grew up experiencing connection as toxicity mm-hmm. and it destroyed us rather than built us up but mm-hmm. healthy connection that's why we're like tribal. Humans are tribal. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's why I think, whoa, now, I mean, like, we're not officially related anymore, but you'll always be my sister. Of and course. I mean that, like, that is not conditioned on, like, you being a part of this church or that church. Mm-hmm. Preferably, you're not in a church at all, but, like, I'll take you <laughs> either way. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you know, it's funny too, is it's like, I'm saying all these things, like I'm the person I can trust and, you know, I look inward and whatever. And, but I really rely on my friends and it's, it's funny. Cause I feel like I'm, it's, this is like a cult person trying to justify not answering to someone else. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it's, it's so funny because I, you know, it's, I'm, I don't know. It's just funny. No, it is funny. Cause you're, you're, you're having to tell yourself like, cause you were betrayed by two families you know, and you're, you're now having to tell yourself it's, it's okay. Like I have security in myself and that's why you can create a family of friends and a literal family, um, that you can trust because you know, you at the very least have yourself to fall back on. I think a lot of people Mm -hmm. that left or got kicked out and had to figure it out on their own actually have been able to come out with a confidence and an understanding that like, well, at the end of the day, I always have myself because I've already gone through the thing. I've already had it removed and this like terrible, you know, loneliness has existed and I survived that. 
So I still can trust myself. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I think some people out there, I don't know who, some people struggle with connecting with other people. And, (laughs) you know, that's something. (laughs) Not (laughs) Not me. Uh, And that's just something that you have to slowly work on and, like, you know, learn how to, like, build that family and stuff. But having yourself at the core as, like, Mm -hmm. it's me, I have at least that to stand on is is an important place to start. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm really thankful that I I, I know who I am. I'm also thankful that I, like I said, I'm like a kind of a quick read of people and sensitive to vibes. Like that's definitely come in handy because when I can't quite put my finger on something, I can at least trust my gut Mm -hmm. because I trust myself. So, you know, um, that's great. I'm sure that's been a process, right, of learning to trust your gut, right? Oh, Absolutely. It took a while, but I feel like I had a crash course, I guess, just because of what I went through in my life. You know, I feel like that 18 to 26 was a crash course. And I say 26 because that's when I left L.A., which was a really big decision. And it was a big deal. It was it was me finally getting away from everything Mm -hmm. I knew. Mm -hmm. Like it was really a, a freeing and exciting thing. I moved to Seattle. I didn't know anyone. And I just started over. And it was so exciting. You know, it was lonely at first, but, um, it was really cool. So I feel like that's, that's really, you know, when I became an adult, when I was 26, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but yeah. And then Scott, to what you're saying about like struggling with people or whatever, um, that ebbs and flows. I go through phases. I'm going through one right now, actually, where I, you know, I play with my cats and I cross. I was going to say it's cats, cats all the time. You can trust cats. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, I sometimes I'm super social, sometimes I'm not. It's just anyway. Yeah. I think it's it ebbs and flows. Yeah, yeah. I think creating yeah. a cat family and a cat cult makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> I'm here for it. Definitely. I, I got it started. I have three cats, so yeah. like I'm, got I'm it going there. Got it going. <laughs> that was JoJo. Yeah, what'd you think of JoJo? Johanna. Johanna. Um, it was good. It was good hearing from her. And uh, and good hearing her story. You know, I think one of the things that was um, interesting to get into, which we kind of knew going into it, but still there's that like that thing of um, she was so plugged in and so in the inner circle. She didn't have any clear memories of like, you know, the juice, as I called it, like that, like that the tea, I guess, I don't know, whatever is like it, but it still showed in, in talking to her and like going on further, it really, you know, it was very revealing to see how it still affected her because she was so deep in it that like, you know, she left and she just completely cut off. The thing that always strikes me with that stuff that I think is so interesting, especially the way that she said it was like she left. She didn't mean to leave. She didn't mean to leave the church. I, I kind of relate to that, too. Like I wasn't when I when I was trying to make the decisions for myself and like make my choices and like, you know, leaving the moment that like led to me leaving the same thing that she's saying, she's just doing something that she felt she needed to do as a personal thing. And suddenly that was it. There was no more family. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I just think that that is really interesting because it's like not intentional to be leaving the church, but it's, it's not conforming. She was so good at conforming to what they wanted 
at when she was working there that she was having a great time doing it. Mm -hmm. But then the second that she was just doing something that wasn't in line with what they wanted, that was it. That was the end of it all. It was very unexpected. Yeah, like going off a cliff. Yeah, like Um, she said, the the rug was pulled out from under her. mm Mm-hmm. Which, you know, it's um, not surprising. (laughs) And yet kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's so severe. It was just like one day you're in, the next day you're out. And um, it's it's one thing when someone kind of slowly fades away or they say, like, I'm done, I'm leaving. But she didn't Mm -hmm. even really want to leave. She just wanted to move out of her house, do some, you know, had to drop out of school to pay to do that. And suddenly she's like, you can't come around. We don't want you here. So now she has not only, she she doesn't have her bio family, which she never, in a lot of ways, she really never did, which was why she was so involved. Um, So she doesn't have her bio family and then she doesn't have her church family. Again, it's kind of like when we talked to Titus where you're just kind of out there not having developed any real life skills because you've been so sheltered and just thrown into the deep end of the pool with no warning Mm -hmm. whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, I think that's exactly right. Like it is, it's, you said she never really had her bio family. She never really had a church family either. It's true. Um, it was an illusion of belonging because she was useful and mm-hmm. she wanted to be useful and she wanted to do all, provide that service for them. But in the moment that she needed them, the moment that she needed the church to do something for her, like provide a place for her to live because family life was terrible because mm-hmm. her fa- her fa- her parents couldn't do that anymore. And, and she needed a home to stay in, um, or some grace or something like if they wanted her to stay in school, they could have provided a home for her, mm-hmm. um, and said, don't worry about paying for it. Hang out here. That's a really good point. Yeah. They could have done something, anything. It would have required very little effort on the part of the church for somebody who had given her entire life to yeah. serving the church. They could have given her just a little bit and instead, they cut her off and were like, well, you don't want to do it the way we want you to do it. Sorry. Goodbye. Nobody right. talk to her anymore. Um, that's that's the function. that's like it just that's to me is the tragic part is like, you know, they just. They weren't they weren't a family. No, it wasn't. It was it was a it was a it was like more kind of what she was talking about, um, a place for her to keep busy so she didn't mm-hmm. have to be around her biological family. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, like I said earlier, the the perfect setup for them to take advantage of her and Mm -hmm. use her. You know, it's that classic thing of we stay busy when we don't know how to face the things that we need to face or what we're going through. It's a lot easier just to stay busy and not look at things. And, Mm -hmm. you know, by her being so involved and they always had something for her to do, it's it's a coping mechanism, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And yeah, it should have been like a positive thing. If they were really looking out for her own interests, it would have been a positive thing that she wanted to, you know, find her own way, get out of this like uncomfortable situation at home. Pretty brave of her at that age to want to, yeah. okay, I want to move out and get my own place with my, my friend. They could have, yeah. like you're saying, they could have supported her. It, it wouldn't have required much support at all, especially, you know, in perspective of like how much 
she gave to them. But, you know, I think that's the thing that we see with these, these stories about people leaving. Um, it's always extreme because, you know, like you're saying, it's very brave of her to leave. I think a lot of that motivation is it's so bad. You have to, you have to figure it out on your own. It's so dire that you need to say, well, I can't go to school because I need to pay to live on my own because I just cannot live with mm -hmm. my family. Yeah. And why you didn't know? they ask her those questions? Why didn't the leader that told her you're not welcome anymore actually have a caring bone in her body <laughs> and say, mm -hmm. what is so bad at home that like you need to drop out of school yeah. so that you can afford to, to move out? Like there's just no compassion there. It is no compassion. And she had all the power needed that that was the principal and leader. She was a shepherd. She had every bit of power to be like, wow, life at home must be really rough. Let's see what we can do. We can get you a place at one of the many houses that we have around and you can stay there. We'll even talk to your, you know, parents about it and like help out and like, cause officially she's 17 or whatever. And like, you know, it's like, there's so many things they could have done to actually be helpful, but that wasn't, they just, just chose a very no. different path. And that, that just shows it's all about them. Um, and it wasn't about, I really liked her George Bush story. <laughs> she avoids church all the time and then shows up. <laughs> like The one church, the one, one service. One like, <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. That's right. And that is really interesting because we kind of glossed over that, but that is an interesting, you know, that's, that's literally, you're not allowed to do that kind of stuff in churches. You can lose your tax exempt status for, um, preaching politics, but I suppose maybe you get away with it because it was just congregants getting up and praying for, um, the next president to be George Bush instead of whoever else was running at the time. And, yeah, well, uh, when the when they did talk about it from the pulpit, like a leader, they would do it in a kind of like a, a coded, coded message. Yeah, yeah. but it and was that obvious. Is, that is the thing that's funny because we've 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 explored this in other episodes where like the the leader will bring will walk the line and bring that coded message, mm -hmm. and then the people that come up afterwards and prophesy, they just say it outright. They say it straight, you know, you're and Christ. And then the leader's going to be like, listen, I left it on the tape. We kept the microphone going and all that stuff, but like, I didn't say it. Yeah. 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 One of the things, I mean, I love that thing she said about, I, I was born the day that I left. Mm -hmm. um, and this, that it's so poetic and so true. And also so, so heartbreaking at the mm -hmm. same time, because like, you think how scary it is to go out on your own, probably for any like normal 18 year old, say, but when you've mm -hmm. not learned any life skills and you've been raised in this particular environment that doesn't let allow you to learn about yourself or trust yourself or make decisions, you're going in there like a brand new baby. At mm -hmm. <laughs> How old did she say she was when was it 18? 18. Yeah. 18. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then she immediately fell into a controlling relationship and gave herself mm -hmm. to that relationship the same way that she had been giving herself to the church. Yes, I'm so glad why would she do that. anything else? Why would she mm -hmm. know how to do anything else? Yeah. It does. It's like a theme that we keep hearing and we experience it in our own individual lives, me and you. When she said, um, the lack of confidence, the difficulty having confidence and 
trusting relationships and connection and like there's the how do you have confidence when every relationship you experienced in your formative years was conditional and you it's just it's just that feeling of like I'm not worth anything it's like what I do only Mm -hmm. what I do and if I do it the way you want me to do it so there's this yeah sense of yeah yeah, that that's the that's the culture. And the culture is based on I know we went back and forth and talking about this stuff, but like the culture is based on um, the messages and the ideas behind the cult. So you talk about that, like that thing of like you don't have any constant uh, confidence because your relationships are based are conditional. That's the that's the submission and the servitude and the upward flow stuff is like how what do you do for what are you doing? What are your actions? But then also that like being nothing of a person, how, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you develop a confidence and internal confidence? If you're, if you're told to be a zero with the rim rim rubbed out. And although Jojo ignored every single sermon that was brought, didn't did everything she could to stay out of church didn't listen to this stuff she she told us in the preliminary call she never heard girls turn it off that stuff still seeps in because that's the culture exactly and that's the like the um the the way that we're the the way that they wanted everybody to behave was a like it's not about you it's about us Mm -hmm. and you can walk in the word without ever once hearing the word yeah. It's yeah. that they're in the and it it's the feeling of like you don't have any inherent worth. Mm-hmm. You're not you're to be nothing. You're to do what we say. You're to do what we say, not what we do, even because mm-hmm. all the different rules that apply to different people and the leaders got to do one thing and the sheep mm-hmm. got to do another thing. But even amongst that, it was varied amongst those groups too, and you just never knew. That's probably why she thought, <laughs> never imagined that she'd be excommunicated for making that one decision. Yeah. I mean, why mm-hmm. would you think it? Why would you think that? You know? Yeah. It's, uh, it's just, it's just amazing. You know, it, it shows the shallowness of this thing, I think. Mm-hmm how how really useless it was it it always strikes me that how very clear it becomes the when people need the church the most it's not there yeah. you know no because they don't actually care about the people how are you feeling that it seemed like it zapped you of <laughs> yeah of no it just it's not it just it just makes my heart go Ooh, it just makes me so incredibly sad yeah um, because it takes so much to like reclaim our lives and confidence and mm-hmm. just kind of haunts, haunts me. And, and obviously a lot of us, mm-hmm. I hope that there's a way beyond that. I think there is. I think there is. I mean, that's what she showed, you know, she's showing, she's got her family of cats and her husband, of course, I don't want to make this seem like, yeah, she's, she is married. She has, she's a family. We're not saying she's a cat lady. Totally. No, no. That's what I was going to say before. She did like find a way, um, you know, she realized that she was repeating patterns uh-huh. 
And what an incredible person. A lot of people just never even realize their patterns and keep repeating them for a lifetime. And she realized that she was repeating patterns in these different relationships and and then started to really look inward, as she said, and um, and kind of turned it around and changed that for herself and took charge of her life. It is possible. Yeah. We're out here doing it. We're making it We're happen. It. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Jojoana. Jojo, Jojo, Jojo. Jojo, Hana. Why, why do I always have to make weird noises and make up words at the end of these things? I'm, yeah, it's I, I your got, influence. Yeah, well, no, I got, I got, uh, I got news for you. You do it in the middle. You do weird stuff in the middle too. Not. Just oh, I do. End. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or YouTube, send us your emails at the uh, address in the show notes below. We'd love to hear from you. Take it easy and don't join a cult. If you or someone you know has a mental illness, is struggling emotionally, or has concerns about their mental health, there are ways to get help. Use the resources linked in the description to find help for you, a friend, or a family member.